right, Kyle. I got to ask you. You're yeah. You know about this team. You've watched the Bears. You watched them over the 2021-22 season. How do you, how do you sum up this past Bears season? Oh my God! I thought you were going to start with an easy one, Peyton. Are you kidding me? I I don't have the the thesaurus or the dictionary. Um, maybe I do. It, it felt a little rock bottom. It did. Like it, it was really tough to get through. But the rock bottom is in a way like a positive thing because you can't go any lower. The only way to go is up. And, you know, I, I've done this before that, you know, I grew up in the Chicago area like I know you did. And, man, some of these seasons feel like, you know, they say it's a roller coaster season. I feel like I am in Gurney at Six Flags, like puking over the shockwave into the parking lot, like watching these games. This is a rough rough season. I, I don't know if I want the Twicket to come back the next day. This was no entry-level roller coaster. This was not the Demon or the Wizard or anything. This was the Iron Wolf shockwave, make you sick and break your neck at the same time. So those are the words you asked for. I hope they work. Yeah, they do work. Uh, also, too, this might not be an easy question because it was over some time, but what will the long-lasting memory of the Pace and Nagy era here in Chicago be for you? All right, that's a good question. Listen, on the field, that double doink was crazy. And I, and I bring that up because it's not because it's low-hanging fruit, but I still think what could have been, you know, if, if that kick goes in, or if it's just, if it's just a single doink, an entry-level single doink and goes in, that team was confident as hell. Trubisky's confidence was surging. The defense was out of its mind. Like, I really do think they could have done something special that year. Like, they could have gone all the way. We'll never know. And it, that's football, and it bounced that way. So I think 30 years from now, when we look back at the Nagy era, that play will be remembered. But I have to make this personal for me, Jerry. Like, I, I got to spend some time with Pace and Nagy. And um, let me just try to compartmentalize here. I found them both to be incredible people. I really liked them as men. I met their wives. I met their children. It was very personal. They were wonderful people. And say what you want about their decisions, their football decisions, their personnel decisions. I thought they were uh, good citizens, good ambassadors. I was rooting for them both personally. Nagy is as real as it gets. Crazy unbridled enthusiasm the second you meet him. Pace is the guy who's doing the, in the gym before the game and not some of this nonsense with bicep curls. He's like on the hip sled. He's the maniac doing lunges with the weights. Like I respect that work ethic and I respect the way they compose themselves. So on the field, there was some shortcomings, but man, I like both of them so much as people. And I like their families and I'm rooting for both of them. And when it comes to the search now, Kyle, for a new head coach, new GM here in Chicago, the Bears seem to have casted a wide net and we're seeing all these names on their list. It seems to keep growing and growing. I understand why they're trying to find the best combination possible to get this organization back on track. Are there any names that they've interviewed or some names of maybe combos that intrigue you a little bit? All right. So Jared, I have an answer for you and I have a tangent first. This is where I have to commandeer this conversation because you're so professional and you're so prepared, but I need to have a moment for me. And I need a moment for me to talk about you. I need to talk about Peyton. And never mind 34. I'm talking about mid-90s. I'm growing up. I'm a high school kid like you were in Chicago. And I remember NBC5. They would lead the sportscast. It's not as if the Chicago basketball had anything going on at the time or anything like that. They would lead the sportscast with Viator football. And you know damn well why. And it was like all the talk amongst my friends and me. And my like, 
oh yeah, he's going to stop playing soccer and he's coming over to play football. And we thought that was cool because like we were the football meatheads in high school in Illinois in the nineties. And like, you know, soccer, it was like a little bit of a rivalry with them. So we like felt like we were taking one of their own. And I just remember it would be Viator highlights to lead the sports cast. And it was probably, I was probably watching Gian Greco at the time. And it would be like, Peyton and Viator first, like Jordan Bulls second in the rundown. And God, it was a beautiful time, man. I mean, I love that so much. I, I wish it could be back. I, I wish I could relive it. <laughs> <laughs> you are too crazy. I, I think about all those back in the day, man. There was just, there was so much going on. Soccer was so big here at the time, but, you know, switching over to football was a big deal. And, um, you know, I don't, I didn't think of how big it actually was being who I was, but I'll tell you what, man, the, the game changed my life forever. Probably the same way it changed your life. Mm -hmm. Dude, it wildly changed my life. I wasn't allowed to play until I was in eighth grade. It was, it was for me, I was all soccer, just like you. I used to play indoor soccer. They had this big facility right on Route 41. We would have our games all the time. And like, I love soccer too. But then my dad, when I was um, 13, eighth grade, he's like, if you really want to still put pads on, let's do it. And I played for Buffalo Grove, Buffalo Grove Bills were my junior high team. And then I did one year there and then I went to Stevenson and it was on. But man, I'm telling you, when you came over, you know, from the dark side of soccer and you put on those pads, like there was a lot of dudes playing high school football in the Chicago area who had one fist in the air for you and were rooting for you at the U and then in Europe and in the NFL. So I got to get that out of the way. This is a big moment for me, dude. It, I, I Listen, I appreciate it, man. I'm a huge fan of yours. So for me to hear that, sometimes you don't know. You have no clue who's rooting for you back oh in those God. days. There was no social media. There was nothing like yeah. that. So it was either you're on TV, radio, or in the newspaper. And so, man, it just... It's so, so crazy, man. And I followed you to see where you're at now. I'm, I want your job, man. You're, that, <laughs> you get a chance to sit there and talk NFL football all day and you get a chance to do fun. it. And you get a chance to do it in the way that you want to do it. It's, it's your passion, which is so, so cool. Thanks, man. And listen, the NFL gives us unbelievable freedom to do any of these crazy segments or tangents we go on. It's just full green light. Talk about what you want to talk about. We love you guys and let it rip. And we've been doing it for five and a half years now. But with that, Jared, comes the responsibility of professionalism and the professionalism of answering somebody's question when they ask you on their podcast, which I will do right now. Here's how I feel about the Bears coaching search. All right. I'm wearing this T-shirt. It is all about number one. Quarterback one, jersey number one. And I'm not splitting the atom by telling you that. But I just look at this idea of this whole Bears organization. There's lots of pieces, lots of facets. Fields is just this precious dinosaur egg that we have to keep warm and keep comfortable and just make sure that this thing hatches. So listen, if he doesn't work out, it's going to be a tough sledding for another half decade. It really is. We have to make fields work. So to that end, look, I love the sound of Brian Flores as much as the next guy. Guy seems to be totally respected. Um, Brian Flores, I don't know if he's a quarterback specialist. In fact, I know he's not. I look at somebody like uh, like Bienemy, you know, or some of these guys like coming out of Buffalo or Hackett from, from Green Bay. All I want, and I maybe you say, well, we already had that with Nagy. That doesn't mean we don't try it again. I want someone that comes in and says, let me get my hands on Justin, and I'm going to make him into an all-pro. I'll bring in a defensive coordinator to handle the rest, but it's number one, Jared, number one. Kyle, doesn't it scare you, though, because you look at the Brian Flores stuff and just some of the conversations that I've had with people from Miami that are around the organization, play for the organization, 
listen, Tua wasn't his guy. He didn't really want Tua. And so I think that's why we didn't see the development of Tua. Doesn't should that scare Bears fans that are all in on Justin Fields that possibly a coach coming in here or a GM coming in here might not like Justin Fields and we could maybe be seeing a same thing of not seeing this young man develop into the player that we all think he could be? Probably, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things to scare Bears fans right now. And we're just trying to separate them. And look, to your point, Jared, like, you know, Mitch wasn't Nagy's guy. He wasn't. He didn't take him. He, he married into that. You know, I mean, I, you, you, you marry into children. I'm sure you love them equally and everything. But like, there's something about it being your kid that, you know, you got to create that kid. And it's just a different dynamic. Put it this way. So if someone's going to get this Bears job, if they're not totally into Justin Fields, then they lied the way hell through their auditions <laughs> because that is question one, two, three, and 100 about how do you feel about Justin? So either if you don't feel great about him, we're out of here, or the, you're a hell of a liar and said that he's your favorite thing and you get in here and you don't. And also like, I know it was a weird year. Like what is not to love about Justin Fields? It, it physically, uh, socially, in the media, he's still really raw. You gotta love him. Yeah, I do. I, I love the fact that with Justin through his rookie season and I knew that there was going to be some ups and downs and we saw that we saw some flashes of greatness and brilliance and we saw some struggles as well. Some of that, I believe, had to do with coaching, the offensive line, the whole entire scheme, all that stuff. But what did you see from his game that makes you believe that he, Kyle, can be that guy that Chicago hopes he can be? A couple of things. First, this is not the sexiest one. And I don't care. A tough as hell, like took some crazy like 90s, 80s, 1970s style hits in this season that I didn't even know existed in the league anymore, including in the preseason against Buffalo when he's almost got his head taken off. You know what I never saw? It's not what I saw, it's what I never saw. I never saw throw the mouthpiece. I never saw finally get exa exhausted with the lineman. I never saw screaming at the sideline. This guy's pulse did not bounce, even in that Cleveland game, which was a, a living, natural disaster on a football field. One of the worst games I've ever seen from the Bears in my life. He gets up. He gets up. He shakes himself off. He says, shoot, man, let's try it again. Um, I love that. And then, look, the athleticism, the flash we got against San Francisco when he finally gave us that highlight reel run into the end zone and everybody lost their minds. Some of the throws to Mooney, like, it's all there. There was – I. I didn't think we were going to get a 12-win season out of this, the Justin Fields this year. I was just going to be flashes. We can build on flashes. And now that we have it, now that we have the toughness, and I got to tell you, Jerry, I'm not going to betray a confidence here, but I, I, I've, I've texted with, with Matt Nagy since he's been replaced. And I just want to check in with him and, you know, just say I'm wishing you the best and everything. Text me back. And he just, you know, said things didn't work out like he wanted, but, you know, he feels positive and I don't know had amazing things to say about Justin Fields. And I think he'd be okay with me sharing that, saying, you guys, meaning Chicago, you're going to be great with him. And there are championships to come. He has it. He's the real deal. And I think he wishes he could have done it differently with them. But on the way out, he's texting me, like, he doesn't have to do that. It's not a public record. I didn't ask him about Fields. Goes out of his way to say how much he thinks about Justin Fields' future. And I think that was encouraging, classy, like, and it fired me up. Yeah, I think the young man has special talents, man. You saw it in college. And I just think it's going to take the right person to be able to bring that out of him and also surrounding him with the talent that's there, especially like the talent that he had at Ohio state. If you can figure that out and get him comfortable, I think it's going to be a phenomenal marriage. The divisional rounds though, the matchups this weekend, 
Kyle, yeah. please tell me, man. Look, I, I got to start with the Titans and the Bengals, man. Derrick Henry, King Henry could be back. Yeah. You know what that means. I mean, when we talk about old school running backs, people like, oh, they don't make them like this anymore. Well, they, they, they made it with this dude. He is a beast. What could it mean for him to come back for injury in this game? And do you think with this Bengals offense and Joe Burrow, can they find a way with Jamar Chase for them to explode a little bit and maybe have the upset over the Titans? Yeah. Well, Jared, I, I'm, I'm a little bit confused with by your question. I wasn't sure the Titans still existed as a team. They, they're, they're not spoken about. Are they playing this weekend? I thought they lost last weekend. It's If they're not anywhere in anybody's radar, they're a one seed who got a bye, lost their best player, said, who cares? We're still going to do it. And I don't, I don't feel like there's even a game this weekend. And if there is a game, it's everyone just tuning in to watch the Bengals hang 50 points on them. This was an all-time no-one-believes-in-us card from the Titans that they can play. And typically, the no-one-believes-in-us card is this team that backed into the playoffs. Or like, you know, like the 49ers backed into the playoffs. I see the Niners have more believers to win the Super Bowl than the Titans, who were the one. And it's a really cool thing. And if we know Vrabel at all, he is running with that. He is using that. And as far as Derek Henry's concerned, we asked the question on Good Morning Football today. Same thing, Niners. Schrager asked the question. He said, is Debo Samuel the most indispensable non-quarterback left in the playoffs? And we batted around and we said, yes, yes. And I said, this is a crazy take for you. I think it's Derek Henry. And you might say, what do you mean? They just made a crazy run for two months without Derek Henry. Disagree. For the Titans to win the Super Bowl, they need him. Remember, when they beat the Chiefs, when they beat the Bills, it's Derrick Henry doing Derrick Henry things. They can win maybe this week, but to win the Super Bowl, it's number 22 back getting 25 touches and doing his thing, and I don't think they can do it without him. So listen, nobody is paying attention to the Titans. I think they win this weekend as much as I like Burrow and Chase as much as the next guy. The Titans are varsity, man. They've been there, Jared. They, they got skins on the wall. They got guys who pack dips before game and want to fight. They don't care. I like the Titans. <laughs> How much are you looking forward to seeing that Casey and Bills game, man? To me, oh that it just it's going to blow my mind because, man, Casey has found a way. Their defense looks like it could be back a little bit. But when you look at yeah. offensively what the Bills can do, and Josh Allen, it's just their offense and defense. They're a complete team. And that team that I think is going to be kind of that – that top dog in the AFC. I'm so happy that the football gods gave us this. I'm so mad that we have to wait till Sunday night, the last game of the weekend to get it. Isn't it weird, Jarrett, that this game is in the divisional round? It, it doesn't feel right. It feels like it's too early. Like, you know, when you get your NCAA bracket and for somehow it just shakes out that like Duke and Kentucky meet in the round of 32. And you're like, no, 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 no. You, this is beneath you guys. You got to be a final four in Indianapolis with Jim Nance on the call. That's what it feels like, Bills Patriots. I was in Buffalo last weekend. I was there on the field seeing the fervor of them hanging 47 points on this Belichick team. Um, I saw the best team in the NFL. I really did. I sat there and witnessed it. It's a crazy thing, though, because Saturday night, it's this Bills Mafia party, and oh, my God, they destroyed Belichick, and they win by 30 and that party lasts about 24 hours. And I think Sunday night watching the Chiefs was very sobering because the Chiefs had the classic hold my beer. They're like, hold, you think you got a firepower and you're impressive and you can score fast? Watch what we do to this Steelers team. And they just unleashed nukes all over the field. So I'm not big into the – it's one of my pop culture gaps, Jared. I don't watch the Fast and the Furious movies, but – 
I've understand there's one where like Vin Diesel fights the rock and it's just like all the testosterone in the world put in one scene. That feels like Bills versus Chiefs on Sunday night for me. Aaron Rodgers has seen the 49ers three times in the playoffs. Number yeah. one last meeting was in 2019. Is this the year that we see the Packers finally beat the 49ers or are the 49ers that team that really nobody wants to play who smash mouth football, they're going to run the football on you. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the biggest question mark on that team right now. Well, my favorite thing in the playoffs across both conferences, it's as good as I, the Burrow show is and Allen and Mahomes are just both amazing. My favorite thing in the entire playoff field is watching the San Francisco 49ers opening drives of the game. Oh, my God. It, it's so badass. It's so physical. It reminds me of when they would say, you know, don't show up to a Mike Tyson fight in the second round because the thing will be over and you'll just have to go home. What they did last week to Dallas on the opening drive was biblical. It was almost criminal, and it was so fun to watch. That will be the plan against Green Bay. And I've seen how many, especially as, you know, Bears enthusiasts, how many times have we seen in the playoffs, this Packers team is too good. Rodgers is too good. They're loaded. They're, no one's going to stop them. Something always happens. And whether it's onside kicks against Seattle or Rodgers getting pulled off the field against Tampa – it's been a decade of them having Rodgers and never, never mind losing the Super Bowl. They didn't get there. So I'm not going to be naive enough this year, Jared, to be like, oh, Rodgers is too good. Rodgers is too good. 0-3 against the Niners. Shannon will have it all ready to roll, and they will pound them. I, I don't I don't love the Packers in this game at all. God, uh, that's if you would have heard my conversation last night on my show, that's basically What's what that? I was saying. I I believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to be that guy. But, yeah, you know, something can happen, especially the Packers not being able to stop the run. That's what the 49ers like to do. This is setting up for a really, really good matchup. But now let's flip it over to the Bucs, man. I mean, the Bucs okay. and the Rams. Like, this, to me, this, this is another matchup. We're gifted some good matchups here to be able to see in the divisional round and seeing what the Rams – were able to do to the cards. I mean, that offense and defense clicking on all cylinders. We know Tom Brady, he might be the GOAT. There's a lot of injuries on that offense. Can they find a way? Does Tom Brady find a way to be able to say, nah, I got this, and dink and dunk and find ways to find Mike Evans down the field to be able to come up with a W? Probably, you know, <laughs> probably win. It's, I'm watching, all right, so Jared, it's funny, like, they had a lot, they had a lack of buzz Tampa did going to the playoffs. It's just, there wasn't a ton of buzz. I think it's a little fatigue. So then they play this game against an Eagles team that was lucky to be there. No one really watched the second half. Everyone was bored. It was a terrible game. So now we're in the divisional round. And it's like, yeah, I guess someone asked me yesterday on the street, they go, Hey, you think the world champs can run it back? And I actually froze for a second. I'm like, wait, who the hell are the world champs? Oh, yeah, the Buccaneers. Like, I forgot that they even won the Super Bowl. That's the lack of buzz with them. But the Brady thing is, like, you watch that first half, and you're like, God, he's going to be in the Super Bowl again, isn't he? He is. I, I feel like he is. And it's it's foolish, I think, to not at least think it's probable. I understand that they lost Antonio, and they I thought they were going to be missing Godwin and Fournette. I don't know. It's just there's other guys. It, it's like it's. I'm watching these scotty miller types and i'm reminded of when it was danny amandola types or troy brown types i mean i've been doing this my entire adult life and i'm watching it's january and brady is winning so sure 
the Rams, Matthew Stafford, welcome. You're not the 40-year-old version anymore. You finally lost it, won a playoff game. Does that mean I'm picking you in Tampa against Brady? Like, no. I think the Buccaneers will win the game. I really do.